Um, so we, uh, we all witnessed what took place uh, on our nation's capital uh, this past Wednesday afternoon. Uh, so we decided to suspend our teaching series on the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll, we'll pick it up next week. Um, and this Wednesday, actually, we're going to have um, a brief message on the book of Ecclesiastes. It'll go live on our social media platforms uh, at noon on Wednesday. Uh, just a, a brief message to kind of catch us up. And so we can wrap up the series uh, next Sunday. Um, but I felt like we, we needed to just spend some time um, addressing and, and processing what happened on, on Wednesday. Uh, but I do want to say something about Ecclesiastes in, in regards to the riots on our nation's capital. Ecclesiastes is, is a book that laments uh, the fallenness of this world. Uh, a common refrain throughout the book is that there's, there's nothing new under the sun. And the teacher of Ecclesiastes is, is trying to get us to see and acknowledge that, that we are not in the garden of Eden, that we are not living in God's perfect will and perfect design for our lives and for this world. And I think Wednesday made that very clear to all of us. And so I've spent a lot of time lamenting this week and, and I've had, I've had a hard time putting into words what I've been feeling in all the things of this week. So I've spent a lot of time just lamenting. I love this country and yet America, it we're, we're not perfect. America is not immune to the consequences of, of sin and hatred and racism and violence and all of that, all the maladies that ail us under the sun. However, I'm still very proud to be an American. I'm, I'm still very grateful to live in this country where so many have given their time and, and their energies and public service and politics, where so many have given their time and many have given their lives in military to defend the constitution against enemies, foreign and domestic. And so to see, to see a mob descend upon our nation's capital, encouraged by our commander in chief to watch the American flag be taken down, gallows erect, erected outside, plans to, to kidnap elected officials. It broke, broke my heart. And it was shocking, but at the same time, not really. Given the political rhetoric, given the divisiveness, given the, the rise of conspiracy theories and hate groups that have run rampant throughout our country. And so maybe you, you already saw some of these images if you were watching the news on Wednesday. Uh, but, but I wanted to show them to us again, uh, because I don't think that we can quickly turn away from these. So some of the things that we saw gallows uh, outside of our nation's capital, uh, a noose made out of um, journalists, reporters, equipment that was vandalized, a man wearing a Camp Auschwitz hoodie. And of course, the Confederate flag being paraded about through our nation's capital. And then mixed in with all of these terrible, hateful images were the things that, that really broke my heart and, and maddened me about Wednesday. 
It was seeing all of these Christian symbols being used as a way to condone or, or worse yet, maybe even promote these actions. A man clutching a Bible, people carrying a cross that says Jesus saves men that are known to be in an alt-right group. The banner that says Jesus 2020 and outside of the Michigan state capitol, a large cross was erected. These are not signs of salvation used in this context. These are signs of destruction. I think of the words of Beth Moore, um, a evangelical uh, Christian teacher and uh, preacher. And, and she kind of summarized how I was feeling when she said this, she said, I don't know the Jesus. Some have paraded and waved around in the middle of this treachery today. They may be acting in the name of some other Jesus, but that's not the Jesus of the gospels. Now I probably like you, I, I love those things. I, I, I love the Bible. I, I believe that Jesus saves the cross is the primary symbol for our Christian faith. And yet if Jesus ran for president in 2020, I would have voted for him. However, <laughs> He never would have. And, and that's, that's the thing that we've gotten so backwards is that Jesus, Jesus is so much bigger than a political party. Jesus is so much bigger than a political agenda. Jesus is so much bigger than America or any other nation. And whenever the name of Jesus has been used inappropriately, to back a political agenda or a political party, it's always failed. And it has always hurt our witness as the church to be people of good news for the whole world. That when the Nazis tried to use the Lutheran church to justify their anti-Semitism and, and the terrible things that they did, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was there to speak up and defend against it. When El Salvador tried to use the Catholic church to, to justify and cover up their kidnappings and killings, Oscar Romero was there to stand against it. In America, it's been the black church. There's Martin Luther King Jr. And, and before him was Richard Allen in our own Wesleyan tradition. Frederick Douglass. John Lewis, John Howard, Wesley, Reverend Barber, the list could go on and on and on. And you know, what's so, what's so ironic and what's so eerie about what happened on Wednesday is that it happened on epiphany. Now epiphany, if you, if you don't know, epiphany is a very special day in the life of the church. It's a special day for Christians. That word epiphany means revealed. And it's the celebration of when Jesus is revealed as the Lord, the, the Messiah, the Christ to the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, you and me, most likely. It's the day when the wise men from the East came to find Jesus, to worship him and to claim him as their Lord. It's a day when Christ is revealed. And this year it fell on January 6th. 
this day when Jesus is supposed to be revealed to the world as Lord, as King, as Prince of Peace. And with the whole world watching, we ask, what was revealed about Jesus this day? That my Jesus, my Jesus was shown to be on the side of chaos, hatred, violence, white supremacy. And this is, this is taking the Lord's name in vain. That, that commandment isn't about just putting a, a, a curse word after God's name. That's, that's not what it's about. When it says, don't take the Lord's name in vain. It's, it's saying, don't use God's name inappropriately. Don't, don't use God to justify your own agenda or your own purposes. And look on, on January 20th, when Joe Biden is inaugurated as the next president, look, we're still going to have the same problem. And for all of us who watched the events take place on Wednesday and said, this isn't America. I wish that were true. But the truth is that this, this is America, not all of America to be sure. And not all of Americans, but more than we would like to believe. And what was revealed about our nation on Wednesday is that, well, we're angry. We're, we're quick to violence. What was revealed about the church is that we have had a part to play in this, unfortunately, and that we have a whole lot of work to do. And if we as Christians are supposed to be people of truth, then we should be the first ones to name this reality that, that we do have work to do, not only in our own country, but in our churches. Our churches have been infected with a false gospel that we, we've bought into a heresy trying to use the name of Jesus to promote our own agendas instead of God's that, that we, we all have a tendency to serve our own selves instead of God. Jesus said his kingdom is, is an other's first kind of kingdom Be, beyond what we can see under the sun. Paul warned us about this in uh, Ephesians chapter five. When the apostle Paul wrote this, he said, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth and find out what pleases the Lord have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds. They're, they're fruitless because the fruit of the spirit, the, the fruit of, of the spirit of God at work in, within our lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's what should define our character as Christians. And if Christ really is Lord, then that means that we have to be willing to surrender everything in service to him. Not, not just our hearts and our souls, not just an hour on Sunday mornings, but it means that we have to be willing to surrender our minds. 
to surrender our prejudices, to surrender our politics and to surrender our actions to Jesus. But that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be his disciples. That's what it means to take up our cross and to die to ourselves. And dying isn't easy. But Jesus says that he will be there with us. And that his spirit will lead us through into a new life. So today is also the baptism of the Lord Sunday. It's a day when we remember where Jesus was baptized in the Jordan river by uh, John the Baptist, even though Jesus didn't need to be baptized, he, he did it on our behalf. He did it on behalf of uh, the people of Israel. And he entered into those waters for us and called us into those waters as well. And so the story um, comes from Luke chapter three, and it reads like this it says, John, the Baptist said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Now John the Baptist, he has this very strong and harsh message of repentance. And, and yet he says, where are you at in life? Where, where in your life do you need to make a change? Where in your life do you need repentance? That, that as I allow the good news of God to meet me where I'm at, it forces me to ask the question, well, where in my life do I need to repent? What, what practices in my life do I need to ask forgiveness for? Where, where in my own life have I withheld from my neighbor? Where in my life have I failed to love my neighbor as myself? I'm a white Southern follower of Jesus. And the challenge for me is determining which of those is going to take precedence and priority in my life. Where does my allegiance truly lie? I, I think that we, we all need to repent myself included that we need to repent of our failure to see one another as children of God. We need to repent of, of all the ways that we've put our own selves put our own agenda ahead of God's will for our lives, that, that we need to repent of all the ways that we have perpetually sought to live life under the sun, instead of seeking to live in the kingdom of God, that Jesus has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. A story goes on in Luke. It says the people were waiting expectantly and we're all wondering in their hearts if John the Baptist might be possibly be the Messiah. 
John answered them all. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Saying one, one day Jesus will burn away all the chaff, all, all the useless stuff, all the noise, all the smoke, all the vapor. He will make clear for us the truth and the way to life. And only Jesus can do that transformational work within us. Goes on. It says, and with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to him, to them. But when John rebuked Herod, the Tetrarch, one of the, the civil leaders in the time, because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things that he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Our, our discipleship, our, our following of Jesus it does come with a cost and we are called to speak in uncomfortable truth, especially to the powers that be and rule and reign with darkness within this world. A truth that is good, but might seem like a threat. Yet that is our calling as followers of Jesus. Then it goes on story, the part of the story where Jesus is baptized it says when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy spirit descended upon him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Following those harsh hard words of truth come the words of grace. Yes, we, we do need to repent. We, we have fallen short. Yes. Yes. The church has not lived up to the glory of God that God intended us to live up to. However, at the same time, a word has been spoken over us, a, a word of grace and love. We've been called to a higher standard. We have been called to a higher mission and it's propelled by the love of God. You are my beloved. As a United Methodist, we, we follow this same pattern that we see here. We're called to repent. And when God calls us into a new way of life, it means that we have to turn away from our old ways of life, our old patterns of doing life, our old patterns of thinking, our old prejudices, our old ways of seeing the world and seeing one another. Also that we can follow more truly in this new way of Jesus, which is totally radically different from anything that we could come up on our own, that it is truly good. And that repentance is always met by love and grace, but a love that continues to work within us so that we can show forth love to others, a, a grace that continues to transform us so that we can be more graceful people. Whenever someone is baptized in the life of the church in, in our church, they're baptized in, into the life of, uh, of Jesus, his death and his resurrection. 
they're asked. And, and we'll have a moment to respond to these questions uh, later at the end of the service. Um, but we're all asked these questions as followers of Jesus. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness? Reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin. Do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil injustice and oppression in whatever forms that they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your savior? Put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord. Top priority in union with the church, which Christ is open to people of all ages, nations, and races. And then the last question is according to the grace that has been given to you, child of God, will you remain faithful members of Christ's Holy church and serve as Christ representatives in the world? Will, will you show Christ off to the world? Will, will you reveal the goodness of Jesus to the world? That's what we're called to. That's where our identity is found. Let us not forget who we are and whose we are. Let me pray for us. So God, we come this morning, Lord, maybe with a whole lot of things. Maybe it's confusion. Maybe it's sadness. Lord, maybe it's, it's anger and hurt. God, we bring all of that before you now, knowing, trusting that, that you hear us, that you hear our pains. And yet, Lord, you don't leave us there. God, that you call us into something deeper. You call us into your way that leads to life. And God, we, we confess the ways that we've sought life by our own hands. And Lord, we found out that they only lead to death. And so Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you would fall fresh upon us today. God, that you would speak those words of grace over us, that we are your beloved with whom you are well pleased, even though Lord, the times that we have gotten it wrong. You continue to speak words of grace that move us into action. that bear fruit worthy of repentance. Fruit that shapes our lives. And so God help us help us to follow you. Help us to lay down all the other things that might stand in the way. Lord, that we would worship you as King, as Prince of Peace. God, that we would reveal that to the world. Pray this in Jesus name. Amen.